I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, uh, hello, and welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion. It's a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. Uh, this week, we're going to continue to read Judgment on Janice by Andre Norton. Uh, about the author, sure, Andre Norton, born uh, Alice Mary Norton, uh, February 17th, 1912, and died March 17th, 2005, was an American writer of science fiction and fantasy, uh, who also wrote books of historical and contemporary fiction. Uh, she wrote primarily under the pen name Andre Norton, but also under Andrew North and Alan Weston. Uh, she is the first woman to be Gandalf Grandmaster of Fantasy, uh, and to be introduced by the Science Fiction and Fantasy Hall of Fame. Fun facts? Well, I'm all out of, uh, all out of fun facts for Andre Norton, because uh, she doesn't have a whole lot out there about her, except that she got really involved in Dungeons & Dragons for a while. Uh, so I guess I'll just talk about other things in my life, uh, which is fine, because I actually have things to talk about for once. For one, I have an orange cat, uh, the newest of the cats, uh, who's kind of a dick. He pisses on everything, and that's fine. Uh, no, it's not. It sucks. My house smells like cat piss, and it's embarrassing to bring people over to it. But, uh, uh, it's a behavioral thing. That's what the vet says. It's a behavioral thing. So I guess I'm not supposed to judge it somehow. In the world of veterinary clinics, uh, oh, everything's adorable. Except that I actually have to live here and live in the cat piss. Uh, so uh, a couple weeks ago, caught a dead mouse walking around with his mouth. Girlfriend goes, oh, my God, what the hell's wrong with you? He looks up at her like, oh, you don't like it? Turned around, tried to hide it. So I had to go find this dead mouse he hid at the corner in the back of the basement. And I had to open up the basement because we have a million cats in the house now, thanks to the girlfriend moving in. Uh, burp. And um, so uh, we had to actually put a cat door in the, in the basement door so cats can come and go as they please. It's just ridiculous. So this cat's down here all the time, uh, hunting for mice. And uh, so he got one, and apparently he licked it clean. She says, oh, well, it's not so bad. It's just real wet, because he licked it. That's disgusting as hell. Well, this morning, uh, he, uh, she, I woke up, and I rubbed my eyes like a little baby does, and I uh, saw my girlfriend walk in the room, and I said, oh, good morning, my love. What, what's news? Expecting her to tell me about stuff she, she watched on local news or something, but no, she didn't do that. She said, ah, oh, it turns out the cat ate another mouse. And I go, ate? She goes, yeah, ate out his center like a corn cob. Uh, just disgusting. And I'm like, you mean like he ate it, its liver and intestines and lungs? And she goes, yep, pretty much just ate out his whole center. And I'm like, Jesus, what happened to licking? Apparently he doesn't lick anymore. Uh, now he just eats them, like just right through the center, like some sort of cartoonish monster. Uh, so that was disturbing. So he's been walking around all prideful. I refuse to touch him because he's covered in dead mouse. Other news? Uh <clears throat> I'm going to take a break from Judgment on Janice. Not like anyone cares or anything, but I'm just going to say this out loud. So if there's actually one person who does give a crap, they'll say, oh, why'd you stop? I'm going to pick it up later, like in November, because October is coming. And uh, I didn't plan this out because I don't plan out anything I do. Uh, so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stop reading Judgment on Janice. I'm going to read a bunch of ghost stories all through October because that's the, the reason why I started the podcast to begin with is I wanted to uh, read scary stories during October and then just fill the rest of the year with bullshit. And then when October comes around, oh, boy, I get all excited. So I'm going to do that this year. Uh, so uh, I'm going to take a break from Judgment on Janice and I'm going to read uh, you know scary stories. Scary, boring as hell, uh, laboriously written public domain stories uh, for October. But, you know, hopefully, I don't know, get you off. I don't know what you want from this. What do you want from me? Hey, the, the five people that listen, what the hell do you want from me? So uh, I'm going to do that, and then I'll pick it back up after. Uh, other news? My friends from Germany are coming to visit. 
And it's adorable. It's super sweet of them. They're flying all the way in from Germany just to hang out in big time Minneapolis. Uh, we found an apartment situation. There's an apartment complex across the street from where I live that uh, rents out whole apartments to people. So they're going to sign up and do that and then we're all going to hang out as if we all live here. And then they'll go back to their own damn country where they belong. Well, with that, why don't we dive into the story? Chapter 4, uh, Sinner. Uh, Tylos, uh, yeah, I keep forgetting. You know, you go every other week now. I don't do it every week like I used to or a couple times a week where I'm reading books. Now I go every other week, and I kind of forget about how absurd these goddamn names are. Tylos uh, stood against the, the wall bunk, his hands opening and closing, as if he wanted to grab and hold what was not there. Uh, he leaned towards Niall, uh, his pale tongue sliding back and forth across his lips. You must have seen something. You must have... Oh, uh, as a side note, uh, my good friend over at Canadian Spirit Podcast figured out what gentle homo was supposed to mean. I couldn't figure it out. My uh, special lady friend couldn't figure it out. Look it up online. There's nothing. Gentle homo isn't a thing that's referenced anywhere. But they say it so often like you're supposed to know what gentle homo is. Uh, And uh, the host of Canadian Spirit Podcast heard the episode and said, I think... The person is trying to be sort of all-inclusive by saying instead of gentle men uh, or gentle person, it's gentle homo, like homo sapien. (sighs) Well, I mean, they figured it out. God bless them. My daughter even was just like, well, that's ridiculous. It's got to be in context. So she read pretty much the whole chapter like, I cannot figure out what gentle homo is supposed to mean. As soon as I said, hey, to my kid, turns out another podcaster figured out what the hell that's supposed to mean. Uh, They said, "Uh, gentle what? And I said, uh, gentle homo, like homo. And then she kind of interrupted sapien. I get it. As if she knew all along. But she didn't know all along. All right. uh, You must have seen something. You must have. Treasure. What kind of treasure, man? Uh, They all heard it in the bunkhouse that dozen uh, off-world laborers Cosberg had, and all 11 pairs of eyes were on Niall. Uh, Only Lasja, I forgot about Lasja, was missing, kept behind as uh, as a guide. Niall hedged. Lasja dug it out. The tree branch was caught. I was on the rope, drag, and and he dug. Then he pushed me out there and uh, and then called Cosberg. I, I saw something shining in the dirt, that's all. Why? Why call Cosberg? Tylos demanded of the company at large. Treasure, uh, get that down to the port, and then any trader would take it off your hands for enough to buy you passage out. No, Hosanna, never a talkative man, and one of the older laborers shook his head. That's where you're off, course, Tylos. Uh, no trader fitting in on Janus would deal with one of us. Oh, he'd lose port license if he tried. Uh, well, not the master, maybe, Tylos conceded, but don't uh, tell me the whole crew of every ship is going to turn a blind eye a blind eye to a profitable little deal on the side. Listen, uh, dirt grubber, I come from Korwar. I know how much can be made out of, out of a treasure. Alien things, they bring big prices, big enough to make the cut worthwhile all along. The line from a crewman up to the uh, final cellar in some fancy VIP place. Hosanna continued to shake his head. Uh, that's a matter of belief. And you know, or uh, ought to know, that means a complete clampdown of any port. They've been uh, five treasures found in the past three years that they've heard about in this district alone. Every one of them finished the same way. Destroyed under careful supervision. Why, Niall? I'm picking my nose. Why, hopefully you couldn't hear that on the microphone. Niall was the one to ask now. Don't they realize uh, that these fines are important? To whom? Hosanna retorted. To the sky lovers, their own creed, the way of life is all important. Uh, if news of such fines brings in strangers, archaeologists, treasure seekers, uh, then they would open the door to what these people came to Janus to escape. Contact with other beliefs and customs. That's why they came to Janus, to get away from opposing beliefs. That mustn't happen. They think, as they see it, as the evil inherited these objects, so they are destroyed. That ain't right, Tylos pounded a small fist against the side of his bunk. What is Tylos, an infant? He sounds adorable. Oh, Tylos, it's purely a right to smash up stuff like that. Uh, go tell Cosberg that, one of the other men suggested. Me, as long as we have to stay out of the fields to the ceremony, I'm going to get some rest. 
Oh, he stretched out on his bunk, setting an example of the rest that they were quick to follow. Tylos, adorable little Tylos, went to the window, uh, though he thought he might be able to see from there. Niall did not know. He himself lay flat and closed his eyes, but through his whole body there was a quiver of excitement so intense that he feared everyone in the room could sense it. Had he really done the impossible, kept for himself a fraction of that find, had luck favored him uh, that far... When he closed his eyes, he could see vividly again that the tube with its patterns, its color, and in the palm, he could feel the sleekness of the substance. Uh, what was it? For what purpose had it been fashioned? Who had left it there and why? A burial hoard loot. Hoard loot. Hoard dash loot. A burial hoard loot. Hastily concealed. Here are questions he longed to ask those about him concerning uh, the other finds. Uh, dared he try without revealing... Uh, to the curious that he knew more about it than he admitted. If he was successful in keeping this find, then was Tylos right? Could a deal be made from some crewman? Uh, only how? How could he account for the funds afterwards? Well, there would be time. Plenty of time to think about that later. It all depended on how he had hidden in the tube. Oh, whether the tree hollow would be safe. Graded gold, blue, even colors could not put names to. Shades melting into one another, whirling, forming this design of that. Niall longed to have it in his grasp again, just to hold it and watch it for longer. Uh, then a few uh, moments he had after freeing it from the ground. It was a beauty in itself. Uh, more than beauty. Warmth. Ah, uh, if he could take his two hands and bring it to Milani. Niall rolled over and a hard, narrow bunk his face to the unpeeled bark on the log wall. Out! That was Crosberg's order as he banged open the door. Uh, the tone of that bellow brought instant obedience to its labors. Niall uh, followed Hosanna to the open to discover that the entire population of the Garth was assembled in the yard. A baby or two cried prostingly, prostingly, pro oh, protestingly. Well, I've never seen the word protestingly written before, and so that's why I stumbled across it. It's not that I suck at what I do. It's just that these are impossible words. Uh, that shouldn't even exist. In a mother's arms, a small children stood sober-faced and wondering. Cosberg himself, cap in hand, was at the head of the family line of believers, facing a man wearing a long gray cloak over the usual dull apparel of the settlers. The stranger, ah, uh, he was bareheaded. And uh, his shock of uncovered hair and his chest spread of beard was uh, a gray as his cloak, uh, cloak. So it was difficult to see where the fabric ended and the hair began. Out of that forest, a beard, a sharp be uh, beak, and a nose stuck, and uh, curiously pale, thin-rimmed eyes, one of which watered constantly so that those involuntary tears dribbled into the waste of hair below. It shone brightly. Sinners! Yeah, cracked voice it was. In a way, it was authoritative to Cosberg's. A visible shiver ran along the line of believers at the accusation. The Dark One has chosen to set the snare of this devising on his guard. Dark is, is only drawn to dark. Uh, your sky has been clouded. A moan came from one of the women, and two of the children began to whimper. The cloaked man lifted his head and turned his face to the sky, which was indeed cloudier than it had been that morning. He began to chant words unintelligible to Niall, and uh, the whole a croaking like the rasp of an ill-set saw. Still looking skyward, the stranger pivoted his body to the woodlands, and then, without watching his footing, he marched in heavy strides in that direction. The believers fell in behind him, men to the fore, and Niall joined the laborers who brought up the rear. It is only coincidence, of course, that the clouds continued to thicken overhead and the heat of the sun was shut off, and from somewhere a chill breeze had arisen. It wrapped about them as they came into the clearing where the treasure uh, lay the treasure cache. Three times the speaker marched about the glittering heap on the ground, and he took up uh, an axe that Lazja had earlier wielded and passed it to Cosberg. The Garth Master reversed the tool, bringing its heavy head rather than the cutting blade down on the objects there, battering and breaking them into undistinguishable mass of crushed material while the speaker continued to chant. As Cosberg moved aside, the old man brought from his, beneath his cloak an old model blaster. Now he did look down as he aimed at the broken bits Cosberg had battered in shape, uh, shapelessness. The dazzling beam of the ray shot at the target and the spectators pushed away from the heat of the blast. Uh, when the speaker was done, there was only blackened earth in a pit. Whatever residue of metal had remained, turn the page. <clears throat> After that fiery attack had seeped into the ground itself, the speaker turned to Cosberg. You will cleanse. You will atone. You will wait. 
Garth Master nodded his shaggy head. Ah, we'll clans will tell him we'll wait. They reformed the procession and passed back across the fields to the homestead. Tylos was the first to ask of the old hands, What are they going to do now? One thing, Brinehold, Brinehold, another of the veteran laborers told him, Have we go to bed with flat bellies tonight, last year? he asked. Why didn't you just let that mess rot there? Why didn't you get the old man started on all this cleansing business? Yes, there was a sullen chorus from his fellows. Now we're going to have to fast while they try to appease the sky. Laz just shrugged. Now nah, you know the rule. Better go hungry a couple of days than to have a full lessening. He's right, you know, Hosanna pointed out. It's just that our bad luck found it here. It's been about two years since Cosberg himself stumbled on that other one. Niall looked up. Uh, there was another uh, found here then. Yes, Cosberg was out hunting with his daughter, and she was the strange one who used to go running off in the woods whenever she got free of the house. Uh, they said she wasn't right in the head. Hosanna's quiet face was shadowed by the expression Niall couldn't read. Me? Yeah, I'd say it was a reversion uh, to what these people might have been before they became believers. They used to have queer old tales in my world, a legend that there was uh, an earlier race who had fled into the hills, gone into hiding when invaders took over their land. And now when the survivors of that earlier peoples uh, could visit the house in which uh, there's a newborn child and steal it away, leaving one of their own kind in its place. Why? Niall asked. There was an odd feeling in him, another surge of that queer excitement that had tensed his body when he thought of the hidden tube. Nah, who knows? Perhaps the, the blood was wearing thin and they had to have some new breed to mate with, their own dying line. Anyway, uh, the changeling, uh, that was the name given to the child who was, who was left, was an uh, alien hmm? and usually died young. I-L-E, A-I-L-L-I-E, A-L-E. All right, was like that. Unlike the rest of Cosberg's, get enough so that in her ways to be of a different race. Yeah, she sure was different last year, agreed. Didn't have to have no luck neither. Uh, uh, what happened to her? Niall wanted to know. Well, I told you about her. Uh, she took the green sick and uh, they put her out in the forest like they always do. Only they didn't need to uh, make uh, such a big to-do about her being a, a sinner. Uh, she never did no one any harm and only wanted to go her own way. But that is the sin here, and other places too. No one must have, uh, no one must leave the herd. To be different is complete damning sin. Hosanna lay on his bunk and closed his eyes. Might as well uh, uh, relax and take it easy, boy. Uh, but we don't, uh, we won't work. It won't eat until the period of cleansing is past. Yeah, uh, how long? Hosanna smiled quietly. Well, that depends on how Cosberg tends to see uh, to feed the speaker. Old Hysander has quite a shrewd bargaining sense, and he knows that our worthy master wants to get those western fields cleared before the winter burning. Oh, there'll be some smart trading going on over that little matter just about now. Well, they had not found the tube. Niall hugged that thought to him as they laid through the hours of the early evening, and he had not seen it in that pile of objects destroyed. How soon dared he return to take it out of that hiding? Good sense dictated a long wait for that, eh? And yet his hands itched and, and, and twitched, and he had a hunger for it sharp as the hunger of body. Far back in his mind, a small wonder stirred at his preoccupation. Turn the page with that alien artifact. Why did it pull him so? Hmm? Eh? Did it represent his chance of freedom, always providing he was able to get it to port and make a deal with it? Or was it for himself that he wanted it so, and his wonder had hinged with a cat leap of fear? Somehow, Niall fought down the strong pull. Oh, he was physically tired, yet his mind was not lulled into any drowsiness. Instead, he thought intently of small things, the leaves of trees, the depths of the forest past the scars of the clearing, the, the aromatic smells, and the way the wind lifted and rippled branch and bush. Oh, he must have been uh, asleep, for when his eyes opened once again, it was dark. Niall stared at that dark overhead, the top bunk, and he could hear the creak of wood, a sigh, a, a mumble, uh, where one of his roommates stirred unhappily. He was here in Cosberg's garth on a holding ripped out of Janice's force, covered uh, by husband's will, hands, and stubborn determination. Who where had he been, huh? Someplace else? Yeah, someplace. Right? Startled, Niall turned that impression over in his mind, tried to understand the meaning through emotion. He had been elsewhere. That place had been right. He was here now, and it was wrong. Wrong as a piece of machinery someone was trying to fit into the place where it did not belong. To do a job it could not manage. Oh, it was hot. He was shut in, boxed, trapped. Niall moved softly with sly pauses to listen as an animal deep in the territory of natural enemy might move. He wanted out. 
into the dark cool of the open and across the fields to his tree to what lay hidden there. Oh, his hands were shaking so much that he pressed them uh, tight against his chest and under his heart uh, beat wildly, out free in the night. His caution held until he was past the door of the bunkhouse and then with a wild exultation swept through him compulsively, he ran, seeming to skim across the rough surface of the field as if he were being drawn along by a tie uniting him with a waiting tree hollow. Dark there, but not the same kind of dark that had held back in the bunkhouse. Again, the small part of, uh, of his brain, which could still wander, it was still absorbed by the desire that heated the rest of him. Uh, nor that he could see in this dark, only that the hearts of the deepest shadows were veiled to him. I don't know what it is about this book. Reading it is painful to me. It's not bad. I mean, it's written well. It's just, I think there's, there's no commas in its whole paragraphs before you hit a period. So I'm just exhausted reading this thing. Plus, it's can be wrapped up. You can make this a lot shorter. This is very wordy. It's a little over the top. And as he pushed into the roughly cleared land, I mean, this is something that maybe it's great to read when you're not reading out loud. And as he pushed into the roughly cleared land where he had been working, the wind wrapped around him softly, welcomingly. The leaves were not just set rustling against his fingers. Now, oh, they, oh, they sang! Dash! Sang! Exclamation point. And I all wanted to sing, too. Only the last dying spark of caution choked the mutely in his throat. Stench of birding. Uh, four dots, real spaced out. He skirted the spot where the speaker had used the blaster, not realizing his lips were set to a snarl, and his eyes blazed, and that he tasted anger, and anger out of all proportion to what had happened here only a few hours ago. Then he was through the veil of bushes, reaching up, his fingers on bark, smooth, welcoming bark. Why welcoming? asked the now almost quiescent questioner in him. Ugh, this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> the questioner that vanished as his fingers passed from the bark to the tube. Niall held that out and gave a cry of pure delight. Oh, color, swimming color, shades combining, dancing color hmm? uh, from elsewhere, from the place where he was meant to be. A key, four dots, for the gate he must uh, have find his own. Well, so that's it, boy. You did it, just like I kind of thought you were going to do all along. Niall spun around in a half crouch. The tube cupped in his tight hand against him. Tylos... Uh, Tylo's standing there. Tylo's standing there, grinning. Held out on him, Renfro. That was the right smart trick. Got to pay off, too. Pay off for both of us. No, Niall was only partly out of the spell that he had held him since awakening in his bunkhouse. The uh, only decision he was certain of was that Tylo's had no part and would not have any part of it, of the thing that he held. No, you ain't going to push me out of orbit, Renfro. Turn the page. All I gotta do is yell out nice and clear, and you won't have no treasure left. You saw what they did to the rest of that today, didn't you? If I don't have it, then you don't either. A portion of reasoning. Return to Niall. Eh, true enough. Only I ain't gonna let you walk off with it, neither. The boys back there, they said how it's gonna be a second chance of this stuff uh, we find around here. Uh, could be three, you know. And Sim, Tylos, he's never been pushed out of no deal yet. Not never by, uh, not never by any dipple creeper, he ain't. Hey, give us a look. The bowl of that tree was hard at Niall's back. No, no, Tylos's voice still had the pitch of his uh, ordinary conversation, but his hand moved. The light of the blue-green Jasuan moon picked up the sheen of the knife and the blade and, and point up and out. These here, Garthmen, they don't hold up with no bloodletting, not out in the open, so, so the boys say. I don't know what the hell's going on. Only I ain't no believer, uh, nor you neither. You give me that. The knife sliced the air. Tylos, armed with naked metal, avid for what Niall held, was not the same scourging, scrou scrounging, sly, work-dogging, weakling he had been. So, shadows out from the shadow, Cosberg, his son, and two more of his kinsmen coming from the hunter circle. So the evil still is. The sinning is yet. Well, well. That we watched this night. Oh, and uh, you take a small one. A loop of rope snapped out to pin Tylus's arm to his side, uh, effectively halting before it uh, began any struggle it might have made. Cosberg regarded the small laborer. Uh, he's not touched it, intent on yet with a full sin, and put him in keeping. He shall be lessened, and lessened well. Another vicious jerk took Tylus off his feet and brought a hearty, coherent stream of pleas and attempted self-justification out of him until a kick from Andon impressed him another wisdom of silence. You, 
Cosberg had turned to face Nile. You are a complete sinner. Infidel. You found, you concealed. You brought down upon us Skyraf. His hand shot out and up, and with a speed Niall had not realized him capable of, and the club he had struck numbingly on Niall's forearm with force enough to bring a choked scream out of the younger man and throw him to his knees. Yet, in spite of his pain, he watched the tube, free of his grasp, roll to the open and lie there, warm, beautiful, glowing in the moonlight. Only for an instant was it so. Then Cosberg leapt upon it, and uh, stamping with heavy boots, grinding it into the powder that he could not be told from the silent wood dust, all warmth and life. Niall eh, cried out, threw himself on the dancing hulk of the man, uh, treading for the frenzy shuffle up and down the mass of withered leaves and turned earth. Uh, he did not see that the blow had laid upon him, limp and helpless a moment later. Dark again, eh? Pain in his head, eh? Dark, musty dark, and the taste of which was a sickness onto his throat. Uh, <clears throat> dark, why should a fire be dark? And surely he lay in the heart of the fire from which he could not escape. The fire, eh? Get a load of this. The fire was in him, eh? <laughs> and outside him filled the world. There's a long time before you. We awoke to the dark and the fire and the moan of water to roll across the earth floor, tearing at his already tattered clothing, and then to lapse once more to that other place, which he could never remember, but was always so much more important than the dark and the fire. Light uh, struck in. Uh, it seared his eyes and made him cower and hold his hands before his face, and he shrank away from the light, which mixed with him pain in his head and the fire that consumed him. But the light filled the world. There was no place to hide or shelter from it. Look at him! Revulsion. Fear, these emotions, reached uh, him even in that place where he crouched, trembling. Oh, thank God, this is almost done. Green sick! Oh, get him out of here. Yes, the green sick! Then the harsh croak of another voice. The sinner is condemned by the sky. Let him be dealt with uh, after the custom Garthmaster. Ropes coming at him, uh, all around him, fastening to drag him out into the light, which was torture to his eyes. Oh, he was prodded, pulled, hustled along, sometimes wavering on his feet, sometimes falling to be dragged across the earth. Oh, this is a, a, is a nightmare. He could not understand, only endure, as, a, as might an animal on its way to the slaughter pen, hoping that it would not last long, that he could return once more to the dark. Oh, thank God that chapter's done. Why does it feel like these things are five hours long? It's only 20-some minutes. God damn it. Uh, well, with that, I think I'm going to retire upstairs to the master bedroom to spread my nubile form across those silken sheets. It's a heart-shaped bed, and it's a water bed, too, which is pretty damn cool. So I'm going to go up there, and I'm going to leave you down here to uh, listen to a commercial. A commercial uh, from McDonald's from the 70s. A commercial where the son... Sherry wants to borrow the dad's car. It's normal for a teenager to want to borrow the parent's car because teenagers normally can't afford their own car uh, until they actually get a job. And so the teenager says, hey, dad, can I borrow your car? And I'll take you to McDonald's. We can spend some time together. I don't know my dad that well. Sure, wouldn't it be nice if we could bond over something? Uh, what do we got in common? The car... Can we bond over the car? I'll drive you to work, and I'll take you to McDonald's first. Get a little McDonald's breakfast, yeah, you warm your little belly, and then go to the corporate office where you can be just as heartless and uh, as cruel to them as you are to me on an everyday basis. And the dad keeps saying no. The kid keeps talking to him, and the dad goes, you know, that is a good idea. Maybe I will go to McDonald's for breakfast. And the kid goes, okay, I'll take you. The guy says, dad says, oh, no. Oh, no, you're not getting the car. Yeah pile of shit. You're not getting anything. And that's the end of the commercial. It's a commercial about a cruel father who still likes to eat shit food. And they made a commercial out of it. So why don't you listen to that while I get myself settled upstairs. tomorrow? How do I get to work? I'll drive you. Uh-huh. We could leave early, stop for breakfast at McDonald's. I don't say. Fresh scrambled eggs. Hey, sounds good. Sizzling sausage. Keep talking. Golden hash brown. What a great idea. You deserve a break today. I can use the car then. No, but you sure talked me into breakfast. At McDonald's. You're joking about the car, right? No. Dad? Poor kid's just trying to connect with his dad. He even says, like, are you kidding about the car? And the dad goes, no. And then he says, dad. It ends with him saying, dad. 
this kid is heartbroken. Why is this an adult? Oh, 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 here you are. What the hell? You're wearing like a sweater vest with a sweater tied around your neck like a cape. And wearing like really tight white shorts and taking a shitload of shit, uh, selfies. Why are you dressed like that? I don't understand. Yeah, like some sort of weird 1980s kind of like evil rich person. Uh, Drunk on Love is the book you're waving in front of me. Okay, I get it. I got it. Okay, here. I took the book. Are you happy now? Jesus Christ. Drunk on Love by Jasmine Gilroy. Uh, it's a it's a category of romance. Uh, you want to learn about more about Drunk on Love? Sure. An intoxicating and sparkling. Ooh. New Romance by New York Times bestselling author Jasmine Gilroy. Margot Noble needs some relief from the stress of running the family winery with her brother. Oh, God. I can Already, I can't identify with these people. These are not people that I can identify with. Enter Luke. Yeah, he's sexy, charming, and the best of all, the in the too small world of Napa, they live in Napa. Ugh, for Christ's sake. I can't identify with these people. A stranger. The chemistry between them is undeniable, and Margot is delighted that she lucked into the perfect one-night stand that she'll never have to see again. Oh, that's lucky. That is, until the winery's newest hire... Luke walks in the next morning. <laughs> Margot is determined to keep things purely professional. <laughs> Good luck. That's me. I'm saying that. That's not in the word. Uh, but but when their every interaction reminds her of the attraction still bubbling between them, oh, it proves to be much more challenging than she expects. Luke Williams had it all. But then he quits his high-salary tech job in Silicon Valley. Ugh. More people you can't identify with. Can you just have one guy that has a normal job? That you can like place yourself in their shoes in the blaze of burnout and moves back to moves back to Napa to help a friend. Okay, so he's been growing up in just shit people. He realizes he doesn't want to tell the world, Dash, or his mom, Dash, why he's now working at a winery. Why is it bad to work at a winery? Like, I'm sure it pays well. I'd probably be happy. I guess I'm poor. Uh, his mom loves bragging about her successful son. How can he admit that the job she's so proud of broke him? Luke has no idea what's next for him, but one thing is certain, he wants more from the incredibly smart and sexy woman he hooked up with. Uh, even after he learns she's his new boss. But even if they can find a way to be together, uh, that wouldn't be an ethical nightmare. Uh, would such a successful woman really want a tech world dropout? Jesus Christ, screw you people. Set against the lush backdrop of Napa Valley, a place I can't identify with, uh, nothing goes to your head as fast as a taste of love. Even if it means changing all your plans. That's Drunk on Love by Jasmine Gilroy. Uh, it's September 20th. Uh, it's later than that, so we missed that one. Uh, missed that train for $27 in hardcover. You can get on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, Bookshop, Hugs & Books, Anybody, Powers Talking. Why am I... <coughs> Well, that's a horseshit story that did nothing for me. If anything, I'm flaccid. And I get you're dressed as a rich person. That's why you're taking all the selfies. Well, with that, why don't we dive back into the story? Chapter 5 Changeling! Water, water, running over uh, walks. They tricked me. Water, water, running over rocks. Downstream, under the open sky, water to drink, to pour over his burning body, to lie in the midst of flowing waters. Four dots. These dots are different than normal uh, ellipses. For one, it's got four of them. The other part is, there's spaces between them, so they really stretch it out. Niall crawled on his hands and knees. Oh, his eyes narrowed slits against the terrible pain of light. But there were spaces of cool shadows where the light was muted, screened away. And those grew larger and larger. Oh, my God. Ift can? Ift can. The Larsh forces had attacked at Moonra. Ift can? Seriously? God Damn this book. And some uh, weakling had let them seep through the first ring. So if Iftkan had fallen and the Larsh now hunted fugitives from the towers, Niall crouched in the greenish shadow, his hands covering his face. Iftkan, dot, dot, dot. Oh, just three dots this time. Spaced out. Larsh, four dots. Dreams, question mark. 
Reality? Question mark. Water. He must have water. Shivering, he crawled on between trees, his hand groping, his, uh, his legs sinking into a muck of decaying leaves and earth. Uh, over him, leaves whispered until you could almost uh, understand its slurring alien speech. Leaves don't talk. That's just wind making them move around. Now he could hear it, the murmur of water. And it grew to a roaring in his ears. Oh, he... Uh, half fell, eh? half rolled down a slope, down the slide of the pool into which water was fed to a miniature falls which could have spanned with his two hands. Uh, a, a gasping rush plunged him into that water uh, where he, he, he laved, where he laved with a V, hands, head, and a whole upper part of his feverish body. Oh, he gulped from his cupped palms, felt the liquid run down his parched throat, wash about him until at last he squirmed back to lie limply staring up into the, the lace of leaf and branch overhead a round circle of open sky far above also we know uh, as modern peoples that you can't just go somewhere and just drink the water because there's bacteria and stuff in it but here apparently it doesn't matter all water is pure Niall ran his hands across his face up over his head uh, there was like we can't even when I went to Italy you can't even drink the water there you gotta get bottled water and then they ask you hey, would you like uh, sparkling or still, which makes non-sparkling water sound like it's corpse water. Niall ran his hands across his face up over his head, and there was a mat of stuff left between his fingers when he brought them unsteadily down to eye level again. Hair! Eh. Loose, wet hair! Exclamation point. It took him a long time to, uh, a moment to realize what he held, to raise his hands again for a more detailed examination of his head. Well, that's probably what you get from drinking the water. The soaking at the pool had driven some of the bewilderment from his mind, and he was Niall Renfro, off-worlder laborer on Janus, and he had been sick. Dot, 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 was sick. Now he sat up abruptly. Oh, a cold shiver shaking him. Those searching fingers had encountered only bare skin, save one for a small patch of hair, yeah, which had fallen from his scalp at the first touch. What? Dash, what had happened to him? Once more, his hands went to his head and he slipped across the skin of bare hair. Oh, he touched his sides, stiffened at what they were once there. Oh, he, he crouched, his knees pulled to his chest, uh, half bent over, breathing hard. Then his eyes, still squinted against the pane of light, saw a second pool, smaller, fed by a larger, but still, but still of the surface of a mirror in which the drooping foliage about it was reflected. Oh, he crawled to that. Leading over so that his head and his shoulders would be reflected there. No! Exclamation point. That denial was torn of him. Uh, 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 the word half and a moan. Niall drove his fist at the surface of the pool to break the lying water, to blot out the thing. Turned the page. It repeated, but ripples died away. And again he saw, not clearly, but enough. Niall's hands went to his head for a second touch. Exploration to verify the reflection. Oh, hairless head! Ears! Larger than human, but with the upper lip sharply pointed, rising well above the top line of his skull. At what? Hairless head, ears larger than human, with the upper... Oh, the upper tips. I screwed that up. Okay, so his ears had upper tips uh, sharply pointed and rising well above the top of his skull. And he held his shaking hands up before him, forcing his eyes wide open for that study. His skin, which should have been even brown was now green, and that was no fault of the tree shade, no trick of Janusian sunlight. It was true. Uh, uh, he was green. The tatters of his shirt were long since gone, and his bare chest and shoulders and the, his ribs were all green. I did not need to pull away from the ragged breeches he belted about him or kick off the scuffed and battered boots to know that hue was universal. What looked back at him from the pond mirror, what he could see with his eyes when he surveyed himself was no longer human. It was Niall Renfro. Can you hear the airplane? Nah, eh, sorry about that. I got the window open. Ah, uh, he was... Oh, he was... He was A-R... Oh, my God. He was A-R. A-Y-Y-A-R. A-R. Hands twisted, wrung, though he was unconscious of that disparaging gesture... A.R. of Ift Can. Oh, fucking kill me. Lord of Kai... Lord of dash of dash Kai Kick. K-Y-K-Y-C. He's A.R. of Ift Can. Lord of Kai Kick. 
I hate this book. The Larsh had broken the first ring, and they were in the inner planting. Uh, this was time of gray leaf, and there was to be no other seeding. Niall swayed back and forth, and he made no sound. But in him was a wailing that he could not voice, an ending, an ending, the time foretold that had come upon them. Burp the ending, for the barbarian Larsh had not the secret. They could destroy, but they could not reseed. When Ifkan fell, so did the older race die, and, and light of life and knowledge go out in the world. But it was Niall Renfro! Exclamation point. Ifkan of Kayar, Kiki, the Larsh, he shook his head, itched away from the mirror pool, tried to push out of his mind what he had seen there, and he had a fever. He was simply delirious. That's what it was. His eyes hurt in the light. Didn't they? But they were playing tricks on him. That was it. It had to be. Honestly, with the Kiki and the Ifkan of Kayar and all this stuff, I would just stop reading this book and say, I'm sorry I'm giving up on another book. This is too annoying. But... The reason why I'm still reading this is because it wasn't written by a pedophile that ruined two children's lives, three children's lives. So I'm going to keep plowing through this because as far as I can tell, uh, this, this author is not a shit person. So I'm going to keep going. <laughs> I've only given up on one book, and that was uh, David Copperfield. And not because it was bad. It was good. It was just really, really long. And I realized I'm going to keep reading this for like five months. Uh, but so this one, oh God, this is painful. Only now he no longer felt the burning heat consuming him. He was hungry. Oh, very hungry. Slowly, Niall got to his feet and he found that he could stand erect and walk. Hmm. He stumbled along, uh, scrambling up the small embankment down which he splashed the miniature falls. There was a bush there hung with, with, ooh, with puff pods. As big as his little finger. Well, that's not very big. Mechanically, he gathered them and popped them open with a snap and eagerly stuffed the seeds that contained to his mouth. Oh, he had dealt with a, a full dozen of them before he had began to wonder how he had known that they were edible. <laughs> also, when he opened them, why did he think he had done this many times before? Because he's changed into Kiki? No, he changed into Ifkan or IR. I don't know what he changed into. <clears throat> but of course he had. Oh, they were fussing. Uh, the hunter's friends always be counted upon at this time of year, and he had feasted on them many times before. Niall paused, hurled that last pod from him as if it, as if its touch burned him, and he did not know about such things. He could not. He collapsed on the ground again, quivering. His arms folded across his bent knees, and his head forwarded on them, and his body eh, bald as if he wanted to pull back into who nothingness, huh? Or 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 forgetfulness. Maybe if he slept once more, he would wake, truly wake. He slipped into the state he longed for, but when he lifted his head again, it, uh, he was alert. His, uh, oh, his nostrils expanded, savoring identifying scents, and his ears picked up and naming the sources of sounds. The hurtful sunlight was gone. The mist of twilight was balm to his eyes, and the soft shadows were no bar of seeing. Seeing! Exclamation point. Niall could make out every rib of leaf, eh, the network of veins across the surfaces. Oh, he was seeing as if he had never experienced before. Niall moved alertly, coming to his feet with a, with a lithe readiness in what was almost uh, one supple movement of his muscles. That's nice. Uh, a, a boar fund? A boar fund with cubs Okay, was feeding downstream. He did not need to see through the masking brush. His nose told him. His ears picked up the crunch of... Awkwardly turned the page. Double two jaws moving greedily at a loft. A loft. There was a perf... A pre... Preak friend. A preak fen. <sighs> Lying flat, belly to the limb, watching him curiously. Borfund. Peak friend. He repeated the names wonderingly in a low whisper, and his mind answered with mental pictures of living things that he was sure he'd never seen. Oh, the panic caught him, uh, hard and heavy, as he might the way of a, the ray of a blaster. Blaster, that was another part of him, question. Blaster, question mind. Uh, uh, his hands flew to his head, clamping hard over those monstrous ears. Borfund, blaster, his memories alien to each other, warring in his mind. He was Nyan Relfro. Or Niall Ralph, whatever, I don't give a shit. And his son of the, his son of a uh, free trader, born in space. Maliani, uh, ooh, the coolest name ever, the Dipple. Uh, Janice, 
Sail to Cosberg. Cosberg. The Garth. There was sanity. He must get away from here, back to where uh, there were men. Dot, dot, dot. Men. Niall broke away from the streamside and began to trot, waving his way through the trunks of the trees and the trees that grew larger and larger as he moved away from the open glade of the stream. Oh, he went without uh, path guidance, but with purpose. Somewhere, somewhere there was an end of the trees, and it was open, and an open where the men... Men of his own kind, and there was a fever dream, but he must prove it so. Yet, as he went, nose, ears, eyes reported to his brain, and his brain produced answers to scent, hearing, sight, that were not a part of Niall Renfro at all. Oh, his headlong flight slackened as he... This is all from touching uh, treasures, uh, wood treasures. This is all happening. Uh, Lean panting against the tree bowl. As his panicky breathing began to slow, his head came up again, and he battled. Shakiness, fear, the soft whisper of a breeze of leaves, the warmth, the caress of the same wind against his bare chest and arms, and now that feeling of content. That was right. The way life should be, as if he, too, reached down roots into the earth underfoot and raised swaying branch arms to the sky, kinship with the forest world. But he went on... Through at a sober pace, schooling his unease, he stopped to once uh, at once to strip long, narrow leaves from a low-hanging branch, crushed them between his palms, and then inhaled them deeply, the scent from their bruised surfaces. Oh, he felt clear-headed, alert, tireless, and eager. It's just like cocaine. He just basically crushed up cocaine and inhaled it. However, that eagerness was replaced by another emotion, probably withdrawal, as he came into the hacked trace of the settler's war against the wild. Wilting leaves, broken branches, Niall's nostrils twitching the spasm of distaste. Oh, oh, he is scowling, unaware of it, and the smell of death, decay, and uh, where it did not belong with it, uh, another stink of an alien life form, defiling yet familiar. He traced that smell out of the clearing, through the thinning of the brush, uh, racked and torn, the logs pulled through it, and he was on the edge of the field, a field where the butts of forest giants still stood, raw and ugly monuments to the death dealt for them weeks ago. Niall snarled at the spoilation. Spoilation. That's, okay, is that a word? I mean, I guess it has to be. They wrote it in a book. And then within him grew the disclination. Ugh. This is not good writing. Stay away from the Asians within the same sentence to advance any farther into the open. Pinpoints of flight prick beyond. His gaze uh, centered there, narrowed. Uh, that was a Garth Cosberg. Dared he chance moving closer? Yet he must. He was a man. Dot, dot, dot. There were men. A lot of talk of men going on here. If he could see them, speak with them, he would know that his eyes had deceived him back at the pool, that he was not, dash, not that thing. Though that need drove him forward, Niall did not go openly, nor did he realize that the action he took seemingly by instinct would be totally for, uh, totally foreign to Niall Renfall. His noiseless step with a foot planted with infinite care, his crouching uh, run from one bit of cover to the next, uh, was that of a scout deep on a spying trip within the holdings of the enemy. Always that stink was heavy in his nostrils, clogging up the air to sicken him, growing heavier and closer as he drew uh, to the farmstead. He was still a field away when the clamor broke out. The hounds! Oh, their bang was a war cry. Somehow he knew as well as if they turned the page. Oh, God, how many pages do we have left? Two, three, okay, Jesus Christ. Had human speech and shouted, that he was a quarry. He had uh, been right in that uh, long-ago guess. The Garths kept those four-footed hunters at the threat to, to laborer runaways, but Niall also remembered the custom of the Cosbergs. The animals had not been loosed in the fields at night. There was too much chance of their disappearing on the uh, game hunt into the forest and not returning. No, they patrolled inside the wall of the Garth yard. And this was Cosberg's right enough. Niall recognized the set of a big main house against the night sky. There was a place where an active man eh, could climb the outer wall, look in at the top floor window of that building, avoiding a descent into the yard. Oh, why he had this pressed need to go do just that. Uh, but, but do it he must. Though he flinched as the hounds bayed, he ran in a zigzag, really 
really serpentine position, from shadow to shadow until his hands were on the stake of the wall near the house. He leaped again, not aware that his effort was far more powerful than any Niall Renfell could have made. Hold on. <coughs> Coughed. Ah, oh, crap. I think I'm getting my girlfriend's uh, cold. Though he flinched as the hounds bayed, he ran in the zig- oh, I just read that. Killing trees to make shelters. Why did these people not know that trees live? And yet welcome in dwellers? No, always this kind must kill. Use dead things to pile about them until their lairs smelled, reeked of foul decay, as did the pit of a hunting uh, Cal Croc, oh, for Christ's sake. The stench was up. They just throw these terms away. Like, up oh, Cal Croc, never going to hear that again, but I had to say it out loud, so that sucked. The stench was almost more than he could bear, making his stomach protest. He said trees. He didn't come up with a new word for trees, but a Cal Croc, whatever the hell that is, is something that we're supposed to keep in mind. But he did say trees. He didn't say, like, stretchy guys. I don't know what we can call them. <laughs> The stench was almost more than he could bear, making his stomach protest, yet he crouched before the uh, in-cut, which held an open window and looked to... uh, It's uh, in-cut. Okay, fine. Then he calls it window right afterwards. He jerked and nearly lost his balance. And that thing, two of them, they were monsters, as horrible as the smell of those dead layers of theirs. Man hammered one small part of his brain, or rather, uh, another one, a young Cosberg and a woman... Monsters! Exclamation point. The revulsion was sharp. Hairy as beast. Alien. Not only in body, but in mind. Looking at them now, Niall could, in a way that he could not understand, uh, savor their crooked thoughts. Look into their narrowness of them. There was a wrongness. Every part of his own spirit rejected without pity. Ah, the woman turned her head. Her eyes, by chance, were on the window. Her mouth, shaped by a distorted square. Oh, she screamed tearingly and continued to scream with sharp, mindless cries. Niall eh, leapt forward, landing lightly on uh, on his feet, uh, just as he had been revolted, had uh, rejected kinship with this species so that the woman felt about him. Oh, he ran away from the stench of the dead wood and the creatures that layered in it, and, uh, heading for the forest with his clean shelter. But his rep- repudiation of the Garth was not at an end. An hour later, he lay with heaving shoulders and laboring lungs, hearing still about the, the belling of the hounds. Oh, they had brought about those those. Brought about those Garth dwellers uh, to pick up his trail across the fields. Only one fact uh, that they had kept the dogs leashed and saved him. But judging from the sounds they had not ventured yet beyond the roughly cleared land, they were waiting there for daylight? Question mark. Oh, then would the dwellers uh, overcome their dislike of the forest and again put the hounds on his trail? Or would he be safe if he retreated further into the deep woods to go deeper so that he would lost in his own kind alone? His own kind? Question mark. Spirit of space. What? Dash, who were his kind now? Niall shivered. His revulsion for the Garth was a real thing, as real as the heat of fever, the pain in his head. Oh, he could not go to those people and claim kinship never again. And the fact, standing stark and black uh, in the chaotic world, he, uh, he had to be faced. Something terrible had happened to him outside, inside. Oh, he is no longer Niall Renfro, though he had, uh, was now looking at a strange reflection in the pool. He was looking inside him and what had taken over his mind as well as his body. Iyar. Who was Iyar? And if he were not Niall Renfro, then he was Iyar. And he had to know who, what was Iyar. From who the forest had truly uh, home. To whom there came a strange memories and ragged tatters, he must find Iyar. To do that, dot, 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 the... Where did one search for such a weird trail? Physically, in the aisles of the forest, mentally, where? Eh? Because Niall did not know. He got to his feet and he started uh, in the only direction, which was, uh, sure, back to the pool, where he had first seen the mirrored face of someone who no longer Niall, who was no longer Niall Renfro. Now that he had admitted as much, more and more of the new person took over. He stopped pulled at his fastings on the heavy boots and weighed down his feet. Footgear should be so different, made of uh, made of boar fund hide, fitting snugly, reaching from sole of foot to just below the knee hunter's boots. Why is it called boots? Why isn't it called flippity flaps? I don't know. They randomly change the names of stuff in this book, but then they stay to things like trees, boots, men, whatever. 
uh, though which one could feel any equality of footing, not these clumsy coveries that lock the, fo- uh, the foot in prison, away from the good earth. Oh, he pulled an irritation at its breeches. These two formless course were wrong. Uh, green-gray, silky stucks with an X, which uh, caressed the body spider thread around and woven, uh, packed in stass buds of the whole pressed firm to dry in age and the whole proper clothing for the wood. If can, uh, but the larsh were there. It's becoming gobbledygook at this point. Niall stumbled against a tree, stood rubbing his head, never a clear memory, just pit, uh, bits and patches, uh, tiny, fearsome scenes of men like himself, a desperate, driven handful, fighting amongst trees, trees in which they dwelt, going down one by one before a rabble horde of wild men, scattered, huh? broken. Somehow he knew that he had been at the end of his kind. His kind? Huh? What was his kind? This chapter will never end. Who was Iyer? We could have answered this like five pages ago. He blundered on, though he knew where he was going, that he would, I get it, he come on the poolside. And he did, falling down by that quiet pocket, drinking again from his cupped hands, uh, slapping the pool's bounty over his sweaty body. This is getting weird. The, the real ribbiting from the smaller mirror pool could drain into the river. And beyond the river, he drew a ragged breath. Beyond the river stood Ifcan. What? Tall and beautiful, silent, uh, silver leaves and singing uh, trees uh, of Ifcan. If he was tired, so very tired, as he relaxed beside the water the tiredness caught him, his feet hurt. Oh, perhaps, perhaps he should have thrown away those imprisoning coverings. God, they're called boots. Only he could no longer stand their touch. Water rippled about his feet, and he lowered them into the pool, soothing away, smart and burnt. He rubbed them dry with his handfuls of grass, what, and curled them up drowsily. The sound brought Niall out of sleep, too, so deep dreams did not reach it. Oh, he lay where he was for a moment, wretched out of ordinary time, and every part of him questioning by sense, uh, senses far more specialized than any off-worlders. He rolled under a bush and brought his head about the sky where yet no sun shone, the lighter sky of dawn. I guess that the blot, a man made a flyer from the port, a small two-man job, coasting low, and Niall Renfro's memory supplied as much of a way. Had Cosberg appealed for such help in his hunting? Why? Trying to answer that was folly. Soon it would be a full day, and while Niall could travel to the gloom of the forest, he dared not try to face the open under the sun. Uh, best move now, had the river with, with across it, if can, and where was the wild ones there? No, there was a dimness, a feeling that it happened, and if can was long past. Uh, but that place drew IR, and his pull from Nihon Redfall made a discomforting answer. He started downstream, keeping under the roof of the trees. Overhead, he could follow the circling of the flyer by the waxing waning of the engine purr. The pilot was hunting something right enough, swinging the machine in a steady pattern of rings over the forest. Uh, what he could see below, save a carpet of tree crowns, puzzled Niall, but the circling was too. Turn the page. Oh my god, we're almost done. Regular to doubt that poor pilot uh, did have a definite purpose, which could only be of one search. The rill that was Niall's guide joined another stream, widened, developed a visible current. Water things swam or popped into the flood from things on the verge as he passed. Oh, he found another uh, freshened brush, uh, stripped its pods and munched seeds as he went. Then his nose warned danger. Nah, not the man smell, no. It's a vile in another way. His mind supplied a murky picture of danger that ran on many legs, huh? Lurked, eh? hid, and pounced on anything, venturing into the forest strip that had appropriated a hunting territory. Niall leapt to catch at a low-hanging bow. Its elasticity helped to whip him up eh, into the mass of the tree, and so he passed over that path into its evil smell, staying above and traveling from one tree limb to the next until the last taint of that order was lost. The day was on him, but the full dazzle of the sun did not reach here, for when he saw it blindingly bright before him, reflected from water, a sheet of swiftly running water, his shielded eyes with the hands and tried to make out what it had lay on the opposite shore. Was there an ift can still? Ah, oh, thank fucking God we're done. I do not like this book. I think that this author, well, we'll talk about it. Why don't we retire uh, down to the smoking room where we can review this and I could talk about why I hate this thing so much.
I think, like, uh, you're still wearing the a sweater vest with a sweater tied around your neck, uh, like a little cape. I mean, how stereotypical do you be? You're still wearing the outfit. I get it. You're you're, you're taking more selfies. Ah, oh, damn it. Well, uh, I remember when I was a kid in the '80s uh, that people just loved Lord of the Rings. It was almost considered underground or something. Uh, man, they loved it. And so I was trying to get myself to love it because all my nerd friends, oh, they love Dungeons and Dragons and they love Lord of the Rings. And also I remember like a, a bunch of Choose Your Own Adventure books came out that were Lord of the Rings themed and everyone, oh God, they loved it. So I'm like, fine, I'll read The Hobbit. Yeah, The Hobbit's okay. wasn't bad or anything. Uh, I guess the, my favorite part was Gollum because he was weird. And he lived in the cave. <clears throat> but the... But the, re- the rest of it was, uh, you know, pretty boring. A lot of people walk into the woods. Later, as an adult, when the uh, Lord of the Rings movies came out, I decided, okay, I guess I'll read the, the rest of the books, right? Because people love this. It's supposed to be good. So I read the rest of the books, and they're boring. It was highly detailed, all about language, because you guy was a language nerd, so he wanted to make up his own elven languages. And stuff. Everything had a name for everything. Um but he could pull it off, I guess, in a way. I mean, it was boring. It'd be a whole chapter of them walking through the woods and, like, the kind of flowers they saw and what what the ground was like for a whole chapter where barely anyone spoke. But, uh, but you know, it, when it came to naming things weird, uh, he, he was able to pull it off. Tolkien. Tolkien or Tolkien? I don't know. I've heard dorks say it all sorts of different ways. Uh, but... <coughs> Uh, there's that cold again. Uh, they, uh, this person has uh, decided to just name stuff haphazardly. I love that she starts referring to his boots as being foot prisons, but still talks about branches on trees and swinging from branches on trees because of the smell of something chasing after be consistent. If you're going to basically rename stuff we already know what they are, then then rename everything. Basically, this book should be made up of gobbledygook that no one can understand because you're just going to rename everything. Or don't rename a goddamn thing except for people's names. Ugh. So, that's the recap. <laughs> What's good? <laughs> I don't know. <sighs> that they have a hobby? The author had a hobby, and the author got to be a big deal. <laughs> oh, there we go. The author got to be a good deal with, uh, or a big deal with um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons, asking her to write stuff for their stuff. That's good, right? Because it's not to write a novel. You just got to write something more dumbed down and make sure you got room for people to roll for things. Uh, so what sucks? Oh, the book sucks. The book sucks so much. Uh, I don't like anything about it so far. I don't like the renaming of stuff. I don't like that we have a character that we know nothing about to care about them. All we know is that they have like a dying mother or something back on, what's it called? The, the dripple. I forget. I don't even care anymore. Uh, and now he's put himself into slavery as a way of paying off debt or something. I don't know. But then even then he doesn't want to pay off debt so that the person back at home is dying mother or aunt or whoever the hell she is. Uh, to benefit from him. You would imagine if you're going to go into this slavery to raise money for your dying aunt or whoever the hell it is, you would think that you're going to stay in slavery so that she keeps getting the money. But instead, uh, you found some trinket in the woods, which is suspicious. Why is there no people in the woods? But then also there's like jewelry everywhere. Uh, don't touch it. I would be like, that's weird. Don't touch it. Um, and so, uh, he gets that, and he's like, well, I want to get out of here. I want to spend this and get out of slavery. Then what happens to your dying mom or aunt? I don't know. Apparently, no one's supposed to care. Also, let's just rename everything haphazardly. I'm going to give you a new name in some weird city. I forget what it's called. Tyrell. I don't remember anymore. Uh, what are you supposed to go to now? So that's that's... Why do we care about this person? We don't. Now he's got a new goal. He's got to go to some weird magical alien city because he's an, he's an alien now. Uh, do I care? No, because I don't know what's going on. I don't give a shit. Uh, what do we learn? Well, it's nice to have a hobby. So this author had a hobby, and that hobby was able to get this author paid. So good for them. Uh, I'm glad that they were able to do that at a time when 
you could write any book you want and someone might actually publish it and you might actually get known. I think with today, with the internet, um, it's pretty hard to do that. People think, oh, well, then why don't you just make a blog and post your stories up on the blog or something like that. And then people, over time, they'll discover you. Well, that's not really the case because I know a shitload of podcasters that are out there putting out episodes all the time and uh, a lot of people don't listen. Uh, Me... Me being one of them. So uh, you can't just do your hobby and then all of a sudden you get well known for it. Uh, So uh, God bless her for doing this back in the 70s. And uh, people would see her at some sort of sci-fi con. and be like, oh, did you write... uh, do you write that story about the Janice? And she'd say, yes, I am. And she's like, hi. And then she'd you know, go back to her hotel room and be like, oh, one person actually knew who I was. And then she'd drink the wine from the tiny fridge and then probably just masturbate. I don't know what you do back in the 70s when you're an independent author. Uh, so with that, uh, I guess thanks for listening. I'm dropping this book for a month because I'm going to get into my scary stories. Boy, I can't wait. So uh, then will I pick it up again after that? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I really don't like this book a lot. It's painful to read. Plus, I hate that it'll say like, oh, this chapter is only five pages, but the, the print is so small. It might as well be 20. So I'm hating everything about this book. Uh, with that, thanks for listening. And I will uh, talk to you uh, in a week. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, uh, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, including stuff like gestating the curious mind with my lady friend and also a a little side project I'm going to be doing with my daughter. Oh, I'm on Instagram, but no one uses that anymore because they all use TikTok. Am I ever going to get on TikTok? No. But if you want to look at my dead Instagram, it's at uh, HouseNuzzle. I also have Twitter, which I use the most, which is also conveniently at HouseNuzzle. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left.